can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Join the Council for the Model Aquatic Health Code, aka CMAC. CMAC is a member-driven organization that keeps the Model Aquatic Health Code sustainable, current, and complete. Your expertise is needed. Learn more at CMAC.org. That's C-M-A-H-C.org. Hey, everyone. It's Kelly with Talking Pools on Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan. Hey, everybody. Uh, Happy February. I think this is uh, February by the time you guys are going to hear this one. Rudy has been busting our balls, hasn't he? <laughs> I know. It's like He's like, hey, you know what? I got to do some editing and I'm going to be gone for a little bit. So I need you guys to put together 32 episodes before tomorrow. <laughs> to be honest, that's, that's kind of how I felt at first. Because, okay, we it's not that we don't try to be... Uh, ahead but we are nothing like heather she's always like a gazillion episodes ahead yep. we are usually like right on time maybe an extra one yeah yeah and um yeah he's just like hey i'm leaving need to do gonna, this before gonna, i leave yep. and so me and dan were like <laughs> on what monday monday yes because i had the kids yeah. We were like, okay, we got two out of the way. We're good for two weeks because right? you know Dan's going to Atlantic City and and we don't we, when we go to these shows we don't want to have to record while we're at these shows because we're too yeah. busy. Right. And, and we're like we're 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 on track. Oh no, last night we need <laughs> we two need episodes from you. Right. By the and, end and of the week. And you say you say Atlantic City. By the time our our listeners hear this one, it's going to oh, be yeah. Thanksgiving. And they're going to be like, Atlantic City, what are you talking about? No, we're not that far out. He didn't do that to us. He only needed a couple episodes, and we're we're glad to do it. We love doing this stuff and and sharing whatever we're able to share with you. And I look forward to it every week. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's fun for us. Hopefully, it's fun for you guys. Hopefully, you pick up something along the way. And we'd love if you would share things um, with us, either through the Talking Pools podcast group or emailing us at talkingpools at gmail.com or any other way you might get a hold of us. If you bump into us at, at Atlantic City weeks ago, um, wave in what was that? Oh, Doctor Who traveled in the TARDIS, the time machine thing. Now, you'd have to do that now because Atlantic City is, is behind us. But uh, at any rate, this is part three of uh, the Kelly and Dan electrical series. Yes. So, Rudy, insert electrical uh, noise here. <laughs> um, sound effect. That's what I mean. Sound effect. <laughs> Do a sound effect so we can electrocute it. Yeah. But not to do it. Okay. So, so what is this part three on again? I, I'm we are doing NEC codes and letting them know, you know, about licensing. NEC, that's um, Northern Eastern Connecticut codes? <laughs> No. no, 
Nicholas. So this is the National Electrical Code. So oh. this is the guidelines that the states, counties, cities, whatever, um, go by when yep. they are making the regulations for making sure that people are safe. Right. Um, keep in mind, there are numerous volumes of this. And what I mean yeah. by that is you have, you know, 2000, you probably have 1852. It's just the year that that section or that code was revised. Right. Now, These, every state is different. Not all of them are on the same page. Like no. where I live we, in California, we're going off of 2017. Oh, well, that's not too bad, though. Um, we... And by the way, these uh, codes are revisited on three-year cycles. So, you know, we got, you know, 2017, then there was 2020, and now it's 2023. As of this year, a brand new version of it came out. Often often there's not a lot that changes, um, but there can be. So it's, it's, it's a couple of things. It's good to, if you're able find the changes every year, but it's more important, uh, as Kelly said, that you're, you're looking at what your local governing municipality, whatever that may be, might be a city, a county, a state, um, what they're using as their guideline. Um, not that long ago, five or six years ago, a, a very upscale community in Chicago where almost everything is is you know two million dollar plus homes um was using the 1999 nec code oh my god (laughs) yeah yeah it was uh you know it was there were two stone tablets it was written on no it wasn't that bad but um not smoke signals (laughs) yeah and try to find a copy of the 1999 NEC code to know exactly what it is you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, that was crazy. They've, they've since, I, I think they might be 2017 now. And, and actually it might've been 2017, no 2018 that they adopted to 2017. But prior to that, it was the 1999 for 20 years. Wow. They used this, the same code, but uh, changes do occur. The, the one thing that we, um, found in in that as an after the fact so part of the nec code we we talked uh, a couple episodes ago about equipotential bonding and the bonding of decks around a swimming pool well when you uh when you do paver brick the the current codes for many years say that you need to have a, a bare number eight solid copper wire that runs around the perimeter of the pool, mm-hmm. a single wire um, underneath the paver brick. It, it, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it usually ends up being a couple inches into the either bedding sand or the, the base beneath the bedding sand under the paver brick. And that wire has to be a certain distance back from the edge of the pool, you know, with, I mean, it has to be between this and this. And I, I'll have to look it up to see. I always have to because my my construction crews know it and they follow it and all that. But I want to <laughs> say it's it's between uh, 18 and 24 inches back or something like that. And that's the wire that's going to pick up your ladder anchors and hit your uh, 
uh, light niches if they're metal niches and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, we we went ahead and got the bonding in, called for bonding inspecting inspection, and we failed. And the reason we failed was back in 1999, they required <laughs> a 12 inch by 12 inch grid of solid number eight copper wire three feet back from the inside edge of the pool. Now, if you've never priced out copper wire, not cheap, that becomes a shock. A hundred, what was it? I was told the other day when I was like, I only need 10 feet. They're like, we only sell a roll of a hundred feet and it's 400 and something dollars. Wow. I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, this added there. Well, and with this, this, this metal, uh, this copper grid, the wires, you couldn't just take a single spool of wire and run it out and create your own 12 inch grid. The inner section of these wires had to be uh, i'm going to say welded together so essentially you had to buy a roll a mat like you would buy wire mesh to do a concrete mm-hmm. deck only that wire mesh isn't just steel wire it's copper solid yeah. eight copper wire thousands of dollars for this backyard oh that that one we hadn't budgeted um and you know, and then of course we failed inspection. We had to, there were delays because we had to track down this wire. Who sells it anymore? It's been years since it's been required. Um, it, it was it was a little bit of pain in the ass. And why? Because our our staff goofed and didn't dig into all of the you know cross their t's and dot their i's kind of crap. And, and really, how sure. can that can't be one of those where you're like you should have known better, like. 1999. Well, yeah, and you know what's interesting? It, you, you would I, think that you'd want to go with the more current because of the revisions that right. are obviously being done for safety right. purposes. And and it's interesting that um, this is a, one of those cases too where a code was changed to become, I'll say, less stringent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because studies and research that they've done have proved that this expensive three foot grid was not necessary that a single wire in a, in this certain distance provided the same protection as uh, that whole grid did. So at any rate, to Kelly's point, <clears throat> know the local, know the code that you're, you're dealing with, whether it's, you know, again, your, your town, your city, your country, <laughs> whether it's 1999, whether your it's 2023, <laughs> whatever the case is. And, and then understanding what's in that code. So that's also part of what we're going to be talking about today, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to know this stuff. Don't just think, oh, I could. There's a lot more to building pools than people sometimes think. Building and also servicing. Um, because, uh, you know, we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about the bond wire running through the equipment. Yeah. And, you know, you go out and you change a pump or you change a motor and is the bond wire attached to it when you're done or was it attached when you got there or is there a bond wire even in the equipment? Um, and if there isn't, what do you do about it? You know, these are all things that uh, one example that I think I mentioned in that that episode that we see a lot is where, where old ladder anchors need to be replaced in a concrete yes. deck. 
So someone comes along with a core concrete core bit and cores out where that anchor is, severing that bond wire and, and all the rest of it and putting a new anchor in. Um, there are ways you can try to be careful to salvage that wire, reattach it to the new one. There are also many times that homeowners want to add a handrail where there isn't one or a ladder where there isn't one, or sometimes a certain slide might have anchoring that has metal that requires bonding. And when that happens, how are you going to get that bond wire to it? What are you going to do? Well, we've developed a process. And again, as far as ladders and handrails, there are plastic anchors out there, a specific company that makes them and they make a plastic, if you will, a resin rail and ladder that goes into it that does not require bonding because there's no metal to it. But that's that's aside from from the norm. Um, the, the anything metal you have bonded. So when we get into adding a second ladder to an existing pool or some some other thing like that, we core drill into the deck where we're going to put our anchors and then we take a concrete saw and we run a concrete saw from those holes straight back out to the yard and a number eight bare copper wire will drop into that slit that we made with the concrete saw so you know usually what we'll do is is saw make a saw line between the the, the two holes if it's a ladder we're putting in let's say and we'll we'll drop the anchors in, bond wire attached to them. We'll run that bond wire from one to the other. We'll have a saw cut line straight back. If we're near an, an expansion joint, what we might do is run the saw cut to the expansion joint, run the saw right through that expansion joint again just to clean it out, open it up, you know, make sure that all the dirt and grime from the ears is out of the way. And then we drop that copper wire right into that slot. Once we get out to the yard, then we just slice the grass, cut through the landscape, and just bury that wire in the ground all the way back to the equipment pad and attach it to the bond wire at the equipment pad that's there. Mm -hmm. So we're keeping that continuous bond. Everything is still all attached. It's, as we said before, the bird on the wire effect, and it's all in, in one plane, if you will, in terms of the potential of electrical ground or, or whatever that uh, that the whole system has. So anyway, that's just one one way that we do it. You know, some people will tear out whole sections of deck so that, you know, they can redo it. Um, I think a lot also of people have to remember um, if you have a metal safety fence around a pool and it's within five feet of the pool, it has to be bonded too. Yeah. Right. The uh, metal um, screen enclosures, you know, a lot of those in the in the southern states, Florida, especially, um, you know, those screen enclosures have to be bonded. Um, a lot of people don't know, and, and I'm not sure how many people in listening are installing above ground pools, but above ground pools have to be bonded. Mm -hmm. And not only does the pool... But the space around the pool from the pool three foot back has to have a bond wire in it, just like a deck around a pool. Even if it's just dirt or grass, there has to be a bond wire down there, just like an in-ground pool has in the deck. Well, it says in 
for grounding and bonding um, in the NSC, the 2017 grounding and bonding terminals must be identified for use in wet and corrosive environments and must be listed for direct burial use. Yeah, the termination points have to be, um, you know, what, what you're using has to be designed to withstand, uh, if you will, the, the elements. You know, we... Um, it's been a number of years ago, but one of the, one of the towns in, in Illinois, everything boils down to the local town has jurisdiction. Um, any incorporated village is who dictates what codes are followed. And this particular town, we, were, we build vinyl, fiberglass, and shot creek pools. And this project was a vinyl line pool, and it had aluminum coping around the top, very you know, the walls are polymer, but it had aluminum coping. So the aluminum coping has to be bonded. Every piece of it has to have a piece of copper wire going to it. And we did what we've done in every other project for decades uh, in terms of, you know, putting a screw through the coping and a washer and tying the wire to it and continuing on to the next piece, to the ladder anchors, the lights, all the rest of it. And the inspector failed us. And the reason he failed us is the particular code that they were following required that that wire be welded essentially to the aluminum. Well, how do you weld copper and aluminum? There, there's a there, there's a process for it. Is there? And when I talked to our electrician, our electrical contractor, and said, "Hey, we failed the bonding." Um, and he, he's like, what do you talk about? And I said, they said it's got to be, and I can't remember the phrase that was used, but uh, <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, my God, you're kidding me. He said, okay, well, yeah, we can do that, but I haven't done that, and I can't tell you how long, and I got to get the supplies for it and all the rest of it. And it was another one of those things that cost us a small amount, you know, that we hadn't planned on and delayed things that literally every wire had to be basically welded to the aluminum coping. Now, <laughs> since then, uh, within a couple of years of that, the particular uh, electrical inspector in that town, who was the only inspector in the town, and that's why he required it, um, retired, and they <laughs> did away with requiring the coping to be welded to the copper bonding wire. But weird weird things that, you, you know, sometimes you, you run into. Um, I think when it comes to people need to understand also electrical code for when they go to older pools, because you can have a pool that's so old that the light junction box is in the deck. Yes. And there are ways around it, but. Ultimately, you do need to bring that up to code if you are going to mess with that light. Yeah, yeah, that's it was accepted a long, long time ago, and there, there are uh, potting compounds and you know things that can be can be done, but ultimately those flush deck boxes. What what does the code? <clears throat> what does the code say as far as deck box elevations now, Kel? Do you, do you remember? What? Um. From my understanding, it needs to be uh, 12 inches above grade. The on 
a light junction box, um, the code, and I'm, I'm trying to find it right here, but I am pretty sure what it says is it needs to be either eight inches above the highest water possible okay. elevation in the pool. The bottom of the box is eight inches above that or four inches above grade, whichever is greater. So okay. um, there now there are I have seen certain light manufacturers, especially in recent years with the what I'll say are nicheless LED lights mm -hmm. that the manufacturer's specifications indicate things like 12 inches or even 18 inches. I just ran into one the other day um, and then that surprised me knowing, you know, what I know about the NEC codes that the manufacturer says it needs to be higher than that. So, you know, not only do we have codes we've got to be concerned with, but we certainly need to be paying attention to the manufacturer. And in any of those types of scenarios where there's a contradiction, you have to look at the one that is going to be, I guess, erring on the side, side of, of caution, caution and go with that. So if the manufacturer says it needs to be a foot above, but NEC says eight inches above water, you're going to put it a foot above. Kelly and Dan will be right back after these messages. Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's Tech for Tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today. Um, in some of the towns that, that we build in to apply for permits, we have to provide the owners or installation manuals for everything going in the backyard. Yeah. And, and we have to provide multiple copies of it. You know, usually it's three copies. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is they hand that off to the inspectors going out there. And if the inspector spends the time to go through those manuals and you put the box eight inches above the highest water level in the pool, but the manual says it needs to be 18 inches um, and he read that, he's going to fail you. Yeah. And I don't know the reason behind this 18 inch, but I, I you know, there are people a lot smarter than me than <laughs> in a lot of places uh, in the world. You'll yeah. find this funny. I had a pool that it was, it was a much older pool and I got it for service and I went and I was just like checking everything out and they originally had one of the junction boxes that are flush with the brass plate flush with the, the um, deck, but the homeowner prior to the new one moving in modified it. What he did was he took a GFI, uh, it's, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a plug. You have the on and off and you plug it in. Well, he attached the wires to, from the light to this plug so that he could plug his lights in, his oh, lights in. Cool. 
I was just <laughs> like, that's not up to code. And I'm like, don't ever use that. Yeah. You know, I see I see a, a lot of uh, crazy things out there and and especially in the world of social media today and Facebook and, and all of that, you know, whether it's homeowners or sometimes, unfortunately, even professionals that that feel that things are doing are good. One thing I see uh, uh, frequently and it, it amazes me is these people that build their own solar heating systems for the pool. Yes. And and they do it by running black polyethylene tubing and sometimes it's coils sometimes they build these elaborate boxes that almost look like little garden kind of boxes yeah. that are you know sitting up on off they the side of the deck on an angle to, to warm yeah. their water yeah and but the way they move the water through it is by dropping a sump pump in the pool i, I can't tell you how many times i've seen this they put a sump pump in the pool and plug it into an extension cord because you know some pumps got a six foot cord on it, and and they have this thing running That's, through here yes. circulating the water to heat it up. I had a customer who did that. So the way their setup was, <laughs> so he had the sump pump that they put like on the first or second step, and then they would attach like a, a garden hose size, but it was all black, and they would lay it. Oh, over sure. their deck mm-hmm. and have it then go back in the water and they, they right. swore by it. They're like, Oh, it, it keeps it warm. Right. And you know, the, the aspect of that, well, we've got a couple of problems with that one. You're never supposed to have an extension cord by a swimming pool mm-hmm. ever. You know, that's the reason that uh, automatic cover pumps have 25 foot cords on them. Uh, that's also the reason why, the NEC code actually calls for an outlet to be located within a certain distance of the pool yeah. so that they're reducing the potential of an extension cord ever being needed by the pool. That's actually the reason that that code is is written that way. Isn't it It's supposed to be within five feet? I, I think it's got to be between, it's either five and 20 or six and 20, but something like that like somewhere between five feet now i gotta find that one too um five feet (laughs) but for sure six feet works so if you know look up the code and and know it if we don't find it here before the episode's over but it it it's required when a pool is built that there is one outlet six feet six feet to a maximum uh, receptacles must must not be located less than six feet from the water yeah um receptacle location that's what it is receptacles right. aren't permitted to be located less than six feet from the inside walls of whatever mm-hmm. so so yeah but but it is required that there's one within 20 feet that's six to 20 feet distance yep. that there's an outlet um available for whatever it may be needed for but um you know you know back to the point of these sump pumps in the pool and that uh you know the well we talked um maybe we didn't maybe we're going to i know we talk about it in our our chat group with the the talking pools all the time about vgb stuff yes is that sump pump vgb no nope not at all that was the first thing that came to my mind was that hair going in the bottom hair going in the bottom of that pump that's you know whether it's on the the top step or three foot down it doesn't matter it still has the potential of of someone 
getting sucked into it and ending up in a, a bad so position. Having it, you will get electrocuted and you will drown because your hair got sucked in. Yeah. What a way to go. Ouch. That's, that's like I the can't even imagine. Yeah. Can't even imagine. And it happens, unfortunately. And that's that's the reason why we've got uh, codes to, to tell us otherwise. So don't don't put makeshift solar and blah, blah, blah in, in your pool. I saw one guy in one of the, the homeowner groups, his boxes he built with these coils of pipe was sitting right next to his pool equipment because he didn't want to see it poolside. So he had two black pipes that ran from his sump pump to the box and from the box back to the pool. And I, in, in the group, I commented, I said, you can't do this as bad. And he says, I always unplug that pump before we go swim. So it's never a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Until you don't, or until somebody else doesn't or whatever the case is. I just find that is all just tacky looking. Right. On these old school pools where they don't have cleaner lines. And so you then run, you know, hoses over the deck, hoses or uh, pipes. Like, I think that's tacky looking, but oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and there's, there are also, um, as far as pipes over the deck, there are codes, not NEC, but there are codes against doing that because they're tripping hazards. Yeah. So, and I know, you know, back in the day, Polaris had an over the deck kit. So yeah. if you were putting one of their booster pump cleaners in, they, they sold a weighted deck box it was called that you could set poolside with a garden hose running over to your booster pump at the equipment i've seen that i've seen those but uh uh, how how that didn't get flagged because of this tripping hazard thing i i think it was the same deal where well when the pool's in use it's out of the way because you pull the pool cleaner out with that deck box and the garden hose and you put it all off so it's not a tripping hazard but you know, yeah, hazards. people people keep them there and don't move them. And but yeah. hey, it's a residential; no one's going to look at it. Yeah, and that's often often what happens. But uh, at any rate, no, no. I did have a. Junk. I did have the first time I ever learned this. Uh, <laughs> went to do a pool inspection. They had the deck light. I was like, "Yeah, that has to be brought up to code." Oh no, it doesn't. It's already it already meets code. I'm like okay, why do you say it meets code? And he said, I put a low voltage light in there. Mm-hmm. So it's only 12 volts. Okay. And I'm like, well, what do you have to show me to prove that? Because yeah. when I'm looking at it, I don't, you can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding, that is one way of going around it. Do I prefer that method? No. Yeah. If it's well, me, I'm not going to do that. When when we build, we only install low voltage lighting. In I do pool. too. And um, when in the service end of things, we will replace high voltage lights with high voltage lights. Of course, verifying that the the ground, the bond, the GFI are all intact and functioning, and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot more concern with that uh for me than than a 12 volt light is but um you know the there's so many things that can go wrong in a backyard to me from the standpoint of building it doesn't cost me that much more to put 12 volt lights in as opposed to 120 volt 
know, yeah, we're running bigger wire to the junction box. We're we're putting transformers in and and this kind of stuff. But it's you know we're we're building pools today that are six figures. You know, how much is a transformer or a couple of transformers? Yeah. One's like 300 bucks. If you buy Hayward, if it's a, like a J and J, it's like 140. Right. So for us, it's, it's really just a no brainer always has been low voltages and, and, you know, for uh, in the market that we're in, uh, Cook County, which is a County that Chicago is in for the longest time would not allow high voltage underwater lights and pools. Oh, well, I they like just that. Wouldn't. Right. Uh, at the same time, token they wouldn't allow any kind of pvc piping either everything had to be copper (laughs) (laughs) but there are reasons for that that uh, go into plumbers unions and stuff like that. i stopped putting in high voltage lights even on a replacement about i'll do it on commercial because the company i work for or i do work for they they want that it's like whatever it's it's on you but when i go into a backyard to replace lights i will only do low voltage lighting and one of it's for safety reasons and i explain that to the customer and, and when i'm done talking then they understand they're like i feel exactly the same and they don't mind that extra cost for that initial time one of the nice things in the last decade, I'll say, a um, little bit less, but but you know, certainly last five to seven years, is the use of LED lights. Um, we we talked last episode about wires, mm-hmm. wire sizes, things like that, and we talked about amperage. So the the mathematical aspect of amperage is is determined by the wattage a device draws divided by the voltage supplied to it so if you if those of you that tuned in last episode we talked a lot about 12 gauge wire can handle mm-hmm. 20 amps and conventional uh non led low voltage lighting if we had 12 volt lights they were usually 300 watt bulbs yeah well if you if you do the math on that watts divided by volts that 300 watts divided by 12 volts means that that wire is drawing 25 amps through it if it's drawing 25 amps that exceeds what 12 gauge wire can carry so you have to go to 10 gauge wire okay so when you walk into a backyard that has conventional high voltage lighting that high voltage 300 watt bulb in the old style non-LED stuff divided by 120 volts means that you've got somewhere around two and a half amps. Everybody was running 12 gauge wire to the junction box for that. So if you walk in that backyard and you want to take that high voltage light out that's fed on the branch circuit with 12 gauge wire only capable of 20 amps at max and you want to put a low voltage light in prior to LEDs, you would have to pull all of the wire feeding the junction box out mm-hmm. and pull 10 gauge wire through so that your 12 volt light wouldn't burn up that 12 gauge yeah. wire. Anyway, back to LEDs. LEDs don't draw anywhere near the amperage to provide the same lumens that the old conventional lights do. Yeah, I believe the ones that I install, they're maybe six amps each. Yeah. 
Right. So today we can take that same situation, put a transformer over by the power source at the equipment pad, leave the 12 gauge wire feeding out to the junction box, pull our new 12 volt LED light through, and the whole circuit is still designed within all the parameters of everything in between. So it's kind of a cool thing how technology has, has brought us benefits in a lot of different ways. So we can make pools safer for people by getting the high voltage out of the pool and we don't have to have them spend quite as much money. And in some cases, you know, if you're dealing with a 30 year old pool, you may not be able to pull that old 12 gauge (laughs) wire out to feed, you know, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to do it. So, um, you know, having, having (laughs) the ability. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, I as think I'm my, talking, my dad said he's had one light he could not pull. No matter what he did, he could not pull it. Yeah, we've we've run into into a few, um, especially when you're talking about the the deck boxes. You know, yeah. the, the flush deck boxes, real common in our area. Old poured concrete pools in the area that a couple of different builders built very comparable to one another. They would come out of the light niche in the back with a literally uh, uh, one of those LB boxes we mentioned, the pole elbows, and go straight up and put it into the, the uh, right underneath the diving board in front of the base on the diving yeah. board. So the junction box isn't even a foot behind the pool. You know, I mean, it's literally, maybe it's a foot behind the pool, but y- you can't get those out. And the, the lights installed back in the day were frost was yeah. the manufacturer frost lights. Well, those cords on those things, when they were brand new, were bigger than your thumb in diameter. And over time, they absorb water and swell, and they just wedge themselves in there and then put a 90-degree elbow on the thing besides buried in the ground and and forget it. You're not, you're not getting that thing out of there. It's not coming. So what do we do? We run into that. What do we do? We pull the yeah. light out as far as we can. We cut the wire and wire nut it into a new one and tuck that wire nut back in the niche, right? Yeah. No, we don't. You can well, I never... see people that do that. Yeah, I know. I, that's I'm not what saying I, mean. I do. But no, I, no, no, no. I know. I'm, I'm being facetious. But we've, we've seen that done, but the NEC code says we cannot do that. You cannot right. have a splice underwater in a conduit in a niche. You can't splice that ever. No, NEC when it comes... Code. When it comes to the lights, you have to keep that cord connected in case non-interrupted. Yeah. The only part that you can do anything to is where you cut it to connect it to power at that at the junction, junction box. box. Right. And, and something else, too, as we say junction box, um, how often have you seen, a, I'll say, a bell box? used as a junction box. You know what I'm referring to as a bell box? Just your your outdoor box that you would see an outlet standing up out of the ground in. Um, aluminum squared off rectangular box. Um, I really don't see that. I've seen it where there may be a square box plug there, but on mm-hmm. top it's always been an actual junction box. So we, we run into a lot of things done and and we we see builders in our area today doing this as well the nec code requires that the junction box for a light be a junction box that is specifically listed for that purpose right and you're not allowed to if it's an indoor pool 
it's not uncommon that that builders will run the conduit from the lights up into the wall okay. where they'll put a standard you know 1900 box in the wall and and run the conduit feed from there back to the source and that's against nec code it's because it's not a box that's listed for use as a swimming pool light junction box the, the closest thing i've seen to anything like that is where but it is low voltage lighting where they pull the light all the way to the transformer and it goes and that's into fine. the transformer. And and that's okay. Um the the main thing they're looking for with that, if if you know, those who have never really looked, open up the next time you get a chance a bell box or a junction box for a light, sorry. There's a, a grounding mm-hmm. terminal in that box. And that's the biggest thing that they're they're looking for. Well, because the light has to be grounded from the behind the niche, the back of it, all the way up. Bonded. Okay. Right. Bonded from the back of the niche all the way up to that junction box. Right. And then that bond wire continues on through the rest of the bonding grid back to the equipment pad. Well, no, this is, this is. This is always a solid, not solid, but it's never a, uh, the ones I see are never a bare wire. It's, it's green and it's probably about a six, uh, gauge wire that just goes from the light yeah. to the, to that. Is that the same thing? It is. It's, it's a bond, even though they're using a green wire. So any C code currently, and for many years requires the bond wire be a bare number eight wire. Mm-hmm. It, I, I'm almost certain that it used to, and even if it didn't, didn't local codes said it was okay to use a stranded, uh, ten gauge, no, six gauge. Let me think about this. Six gauge, I think it was stranded six gauge green wire for the bonding wire. Okay. So a stranded six or a solid eight is what what used to be acceptable where today it's solid eight so you will see bond wires at equipment pads even you'll see where they you know it's it's not real easy to run a, a stranded wire that you have to try to strip and all the rest of it and slide through the the bonding lugs from a pump through a heater through a whatever at the equipment pad but but there are some that have been done but that that is a bond wire Kelly and Dan will return next week with the second half of this episode on the National Electric Code. Until then, don't do anything at the pool you are not qualified to do. You may end up killing someone. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 